Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. Today is October 6, 2023. Let's talk about what's being discussed here with a lot of opinions from people in the sport of boxing. Right, is Terrence Crawford arguably the best in the sport pound for pound? Even competitive against Canelo, who many people consider to be the best in the sport pound for pound. Right? Understand, Canelo fights at 168. Crawford just destroyed Errol Spence at 147. Terence Crawford would have to be fighting a guy who could weigh legally up to 21 pounds more than him at the time of the weigh-in. Right now, we just saw Jamel Charlo really have a hard time winning a round against Canelo. Looked petrified, was on his back foot. Even some of his colleagues, Jaron Ennis, for example, are saying, gee, he looked to be in survival mode. We just saw that fight, and it's clouding our judgment. Let's talk about the viability of Terrence Crawford, but first remember... The opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, let me just make some points. Please feel free to disagree with anything I've said in the comment section of this video. Right? I'm wearing, and this is not by chance, a Chicago Cubs jersey today because yesterday, the Cubs put on a clinic, excuse me, not the Cubs, the Bears, put on a clinic against the Washington Commanders on Thursday night football in a game in which the Bears were supposed to be heavy underdogs, six and a half point underdogs. Let me tell you, I watched Beeson, a gambling network, and one of their best guys, uh, Femi Abenefe. He was asked if he was going to take the Bears yesterday. And he said, nah, man, I need at least seven points. At least seven points. He wasn't satisfied getting the six and a half. The Bears had not won a game, excuse me. <clears throat> the, the Bears had not won a game for almost a year. Then, of course, the Bears go out there. They look like the 85 Bears destroyed Washington in the first half in Washington, ended up winning the game by 20. Now, the point I'm making here is we get caught up in the moment. We can't see the forest from the trees, right? We don't realize that in sports, really, no one's invincible. We tend to give too much credit to whoever's on top at a particular moment. We tend to overplay how bad teams are, right? The Bears, Justin Fields actually has a lot of talent. They're quarterback. They have some key players who can do some big things. They didn't win many games. We thought they would never win another game, right? The fact that they were playing the commanders didn't matter to us. We just equated the commanders with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
right? Everyone was betting against the Bears. And the Bears showed up and showed you who they were. Now, let me just say, in boxing, haven't we learned over the years? Wasn't Mike Tyson unbeatable, we thought, when he entered the ring against Buster Douglas? I mean, understand, folks, you were getting better than 30 to 1 on Buster Douglas, who was a world-class contender. Wasn't Lennox Lewis favored over Oliver McCall? Wasn't Vitaly Klitschko heavily favored over Chris Bird? Wasn't Anthony Joshua heavily favored over Andy Ruiz? Now, I don't mean to pick on Canelo, and I know there's a group of you out there who feel that I have an axe to grind with Canelo for some reason, even though I've taken Canelo in some big fights. I admit I've taken his opponents in some big fights. But there should be enough film on Canelo for people to realize that, number one, in terms of reach, right, we talk about height and reach, not weight. Crawford is competitive with Canelo, right? They're roughly the same size. It's not like Canelo's Deontay Wilder where I'm far away and I'm still getting hit with shots. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's reach is just unfair. Canelo's reach, his physical dimensions are not unfair. Also, if you look on tape, I know Canelo, because he has a straight right in part, and that's an effective punch against southpaws, believes that he's excellent against southpaws, right? He gave an interview after he beat Billy Joe Saunders, and he talked about his proficiency against southpaws, right? But we've seen a southpaw. We don't have to imagine this. There's tape. We've seen a southpaw, one with movement, Landy Lara. Give Canelo one of his toughest fights to date. Revisit that tape. There was an open question over who was going to be awarded the victory in that fight. Canelo had a problem, didn't he, with Lara's movement. Canelo could not cut off the ring. After the fight, we faulted Lara for moving too much. Let me also point out, too, that Canelo recently lost the fight, relatively recently, to Dimitri Bivol, where Bivol has Canelo's left hook blocked. Folks, the fight went the distance. You can sit down with that tape and ask yourself, wow, how did Bivol neutralize Canelo's left hook, Canelo's best weapon? And there it is, on film, you see Bivol blocking the shot, whether it's up top or down low, most of the time. He neutralizes Canelo's strength. Let me just say, in my opinion, the opportunity was there for Jamel Charlo. As it was, Charlo with very little offense. Again, very little offense. Figured out that with movement, he could go the distance against Canelo. He went the distance against Canelo. 
Now, why is it that somehow Canelo, a guy who has gotten the benefit of the doubt from judges in some big fights that were close, the Austin Trout fight, the Lara fight, right? Canelo, who had a problem, let's be clear here, with Kovalev, when Kovalev was with Buddy McGirt, right? Kovalev's movement. Now think about what an oxymoron that was. Before the fight, you saw several Kovalev fights and you never associated Kovalev with a lot of movement. He was the slugger who took you out. He teams up with Buddy McGirt. And you know the rest. The two guys come up with a plan where Kovalev is moving. Right? Kovalev is moving against Canelo. And Kovalev is very much in that fight. I know knockouts cause amnesia. I get it. Right? But just understand, the Canelo team, like the Gervonta Davis team against Ryan Garcia, negotiated some contractual terms that their opponent had to accept. So Kovalev, by his own admission, didn't feel 100% when he was in the ring against Canelo. Understand, the Canelo people went to Badu Jack and tried to negotiate certain concessions, and Badu Jack, looking at a great payday late in his career, said, no, those are too onerous. Well, Kovalev took the deal. Kovalev then proceeded to use movement to frustrate Canelo for as long as that fight lasted. Now, I want people to remember the end of the Kovalev fight. Canelo, and this is what Canelo likes to do, compare it with the end of the Caleb Plant fight. Canelo gets... Kovalev over by the ropes. Canelo loves to get you where both of your feet are parallel. They're next to each other. Right? You aren't in a position to move. You're up against the ropes. You've been hit with some big shots. You don't have the coordination to get away. So then Canelo goes over to Kovalev. I have the clip on gamblersadvisory.com right now. Just go down the page. Right? Canelo goes over there, and Canelo hits Kovalev with, guess what? His big left hook. The fight's really over after that point. Kovalev is so diminished, he's just lingering there, as if he's in The Walking Dead. Then Canelo comes over with what else? The straight right hand and Kovalev drops to the canvas. Now, my point to you is, against a master like Terence Crawford, I don't think Canelo would be able to get Crawford hemmed up against the ropes like that. I think Crawford would be more like Beevil. I think Crawford would, while backing up, be able to keep the fight around the middle of the ring where Crawford, who has the better legs, who can move. It's an underrated part of Crawford's game, right? It, 
There's a pre-fight video I made here on Crawford Errol Spence where I talked about Crawford's foot speed, his athleticism. Right? Crawford would know how to give himself options. He wouldn't be hemmed in like Caleb Plant was. He wouldn't be hemmed in like Kovalev was. Right? Let me also state another fact, too. You notice those two guys, it's later in the fight that they're hemmed in. In other words, Canelo doesn't leave himself a big margin of error to catch up with a Caleb Plant. Even a Kovalev takes Canelo several rounds. Think about it, too. Revisit the Kovalev fight. There is a round in there, folks, where Canelo takes the round off. And this is against Kovalev, who is hardly the most mobile opponent he's faced. Right? Canelo takes the round off. You see Canelo, he comes out, he's just hanging outside. He's not on his front foot much in the round. He's taking a breather. Right? Understand, earlier in Canelo's career, he took parts of rounds off against Alfredo Angulo, El Pero. Right? Canelo is not Ike Ibeabuchi. He's not a guy with a nonstop motor where he's going to come in and push you. And if there's any sign of weakness, you're up against the ropes and he's pummeling you. No, he's not that guy. He has to pace himself. So Crawford could look at the Charlo film on what not to do, right? Hanging out by the ropes. Where was Charlo dropped from? Guess what, folks? His back was up against the ropes. Canelo throws what else? A straight right hand. I believe Crawford has a shot on Canelo. I believe Crawford would move like Charlo, but would not do it the way Charlo did with his back up against the ropes, with Canelo in front of him. I believe Crawford, like Bevo, would find a way to block Canelo's left hook. I believe a boxing match would break out. Now, I know Bob Arum has weighed in, and Bob Arum is much older than me with a lot more experience and exposure to the sport of boxing. And Barbarum believes that it's not a viable fight because he believes that while Canelo could really hurt Crawford, he doesn't believe that Crawford could really hurt Canelo. Right? I'll give Canelo credit on having a great chance. Right? Canelo has fought several punchers, including Golovkin, Golovkin multiple times. And Canelo has taken some pretty big shots in his career. Right? But let me make a point here. Even on the power idea. Right? Let's remember this is a sport where middleweight champion Bob Fitzsimmons won the heavyweight title. You think that's an anomaly? Just understand that Stanley Ketchell knocked down Jack Johnson, a guy with a chin. Right, middleweight champ in what may have been 
the highest point of the sport for anybody. Gains weight and is fighting Joey Maxim, a pretty solid light heavyweight champion. And Ray Robinson, this is peak Ray Robinson before the retirement and then the return from the retirement. Ray Robinson is winning that fight. The referee has to be replaced mid-fight because it was humid. And the ref was suffering from heat exhaustion. Ray Robinson then goes a few more rounds. He himself is overcome by heat exhaustion in a fight that he's winning. The fight gets stopped. The weight gap was 15 rounds back then. There was no 168 division. Right? Ray Robinson almost beat Joey Maxim, folks. You want another example? At the end of his career, after he loses to Jermaine Taylor, one of the dominant middleweights of our time, Bernard Hopkins, really, as a tribute to history, decides, okay, let me gain 15 pounds. Let me go from 160 to 175 to fight light heavyweight champion Antonio Tarver. And, of course, you know what happened. Hopkins, who literally has one foot out the door of the sport, wins the light heavyweight title and then goes on a run. Right? Roy Jones, of course, jumped up to heavyweight. Beat John Ruiz. Michael Spinks jumps from light heavy up to heavyweight and beats Larry Holmes, who was unbeaten at the time. Folks, if you know what you're doing, if you have the technique, if you understand movement, and if you have enough power to keep the big guy off of you, a lot of things are possible in this sport. Right At a time when the sport only had eight weight classes, Henry Armstrong held three of the belts. Right, That's boxing. So let me just say, Terrence Crawford has not had a guy go the distance against him since 2016. Has anyone figured that out? 2016. Folks, it's 2023 now. Everyone who has fought him after his fight against Victor Postal has been stopped inside of the distance. You might recall, too, he's fighting Errol Spence. Big, bad Errol Spence. Unbeaten at the time. He dropped Spence in the second round. Right? I want people to revisit that fight. I don't think, nor does Crawford's trainer think, that Terrence Crawford fully understood how badly hurt Spence was in that second round. In other words, Crawford's such a closer, he can drop you early in fights. Look at his fight against Julius Ngongo. Crawford, of course, is a master, absolute master, at being just to the side while in the pocket. Right? Crawford, who can neutralize speed, 
He neutralized Cal Brooksby. He neutralized Amir Khan's speed. He neutralized Yorkeese Gamboa's speed. Crawford, who can neutralize speed, seems to play angles to the point where he can hit fast fighters like Gamboa with uppercuts. That's what you need to do against Canelo because Canelo is defensively blessed. Very hard to hit Canelo's head. Canelo keeps that tucked. Right? If you're going to outbox Canelo, you have to get to his body. My point to you is Crawford is that rare fighter who does not neglect an opponent's body. So what I believe would happen would be a Marciano Ezra Charles type of first fight when they first fought, right? The fight was so contentious, by the way, that they fought a second time. And it was in that second time where Marciano's nose opens up. And the referee says to Marciano in his corner, I'm going to give you one more round. And Marciano, in one of his great moments, ended the fight in that round, right? But understand, Ezra Charles, the first fight is out boxing Rocky Marciano in a way that slugger Joe Lewis couldn't, right? Let's be clear, too, on who Ezra Charles was. Ezra Charles is widely regarded as one of the dominant light heavyweights in history. Charles killed a man in the ring at light heavyweight. Charles decided to go to heavyweight. He was one of these guys who the death weighed on him. Right? So Charles goes to heavyweight. He then beats Joe Lewis. He's in against Rocky Marciano. He goes the distance with Rocky Marciano. Now, given that we just saw Bevel go the distance with Canelo, you just saw Charlo, without much offense in the fight, go the distance against Canelo. You saw Cotto go the distance against Canelo. Why do you think that Terrence Crawford, who, as I make this video, has never been stopped, doesn't have the tools to go the distance against Canelo? Right? Understand, Bevel is fighting out of weight class. As I recall that fight, Bevel had to lose pounds for that fight. That's the hard bargain that Canelo imposes on some opponents, right? Just like Ryan Garcia was out of his weight class when he fought Gravante Davis. We forget about these small details that are actually big things after the fight, right? And Bevel, a weakened Bevel, was able to go the distance against Canelo, was able to pull away from Canelo in the fight. After the fight, Bevel talked about how sore his arm was from catching Canelo's shots. Now, you're telling me that Terrence Crawford can't sit down with the Arislandi Lara film. By the way, Lara has a big, great fight coming up against Danny Garcia. Keep an eye on that. Lara at 40 is still a mover. But you're telling me that Crawford can't sit down 
with the Lara film, can't sit down with the Beevil film, and can't come up with a plan to at least make it as deep in the fight as Kovalev did. You mean to tell me that you don't think that Crawford can't sit down with the end of the Caleb Plant fight, can't compare and contrast it with the end of the Kovalev fight, and can't tell himself, you know what, there's certain things these fighters did that I don't want to do. You're telling me Crawford can't sit down with the Charlo fight and reach the conclusion that he needs to throw more punches than Charlo. That he needs different positioning than Charlo. He can't allow himself to be up against the ropes. Right? So I actually believe Canelo, Crawford is a great fight. Let me also point out too, Canelo is one of the greats. Right? Every Canelo video I make, someone afterwards in the comment section says, you're dissing Canelo, you're overlooking his brilliance. No, Canelo did one of the most stunning things I've seen in boxing. Four guys held a share of the belt at 168. Canelo shows up and beats all four. Right? While, of course, also beating Kovalev at 175. Right? No, Canelo is beyond impressive. He's an obvious first ballot Hall of Famer. But just understand, because of Canelo's size, in my opinion, smaller, more agile fighters have a chance. By the way, I feel the same way when talking about Tyson Fury. I think Fury is kidding himself. I mean, kidding himself if he thinks Usyk is an easy fight, right? I think Usyk's going to give him a lot of trouble. I believe he had to start roughhousing Steve Cunningham because he understood he couldn't stand and trade with Cunningham. I believe he had to start roughhousing Otto Wallen because he understood he could not stand in the middle of the ring and just box Wallen, who was also the better athlete. Right, Valen, by the way, just beat, um, his name's escaping me right now, but take a look at Valen's recent work. It's very impressive. Well, I believe in the same vein, Crawford can neutralize the weight gap. Right, just like Jack Dempsey did when he fought for the title. Crawford can neutralize the weight gap. Crawford, with movement, with a mindfulness on Canelo's strengths, right? You cannot sleep on Canelo's left hook. It's one of the best punches in the entire sport, right? As long as Crawford is mindful of the left hook, as long as he's mindful of the straight right that dropped Jamel Charlo, as long as he's mindful of the Canelo uppercut that dropped Billy Joe Saunders, as long as he realizes that in the pocket, he has to move. He can't lean over the pocket like Saunders. He has to create new angles. He has to leverage his foot speed advantage, his athleticism advantage. As long as Crawford is mindful of those things, I think he has a chance in the fight. The odds will determine everything. 
if Crawford's favored against Canelo, which I don't see ever happening, but if he's favored against Canelo, I'm not betting on it. But if Crawford's an underdog, and I mean a meaningful underdog, not a plus 110 or plus 120. No, if I see Crawford down around a plus 150, I'll be the casino suckleberry. And that's after seeing Canelo win 11, 12 rounds against Jamel Charlo. That Crawford fight is competitive. Folks, this is boxing. Right? Don't fall in love with weight classes to the degree that we have right now. Ask yourself what the actual dimensions of the fighters are. In terms of reach, in terms of height, Crawford is competitive with Canelo. If you believe Canelo is the much bigger puncher, Canelo's going to have to land the shots for the punches to matter. Understand. Ray Leonard wasn't a real middleweight when he fought Marvin Hagler. You know what Ray did after that fight? And Ray's a lot like Canelo. Ray's people imposed certain demands on their opponents. Ray actually jumped in weight. Look at the Ray Leonard record. And he beat the light heavyweight champion, Donnie Lalonde. And by the way, the way he did it was interesting. Lalonde drops him. Ray gets off the canvas in a highly competitive fight and then gets a stoppage against a bigger man. Right? Don't rule out the idea of Crawford doing the completely unthinkable and getting a stoppage against Canelo. Right? Folks, understand Crawford is on a seven-year stoppage streak. This is a closer. Anyway, that's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by. Tell me where I'm wrong. Peace.